Real Whiskey Real presents Judgment Day. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast that you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed are merely for comedy purposes. This is your Judgment Day. We all go a little mad sometimes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Time to play. Welcome back to Judgment Day. In this podcast, I invite one of my lovely friends to inform them that today is, in fact, the end of times. They've shuffled off this mortal coil, and it's up to me to decide whether or not they descend to paradise or burn forever in a lake of fire. What no one knew is that God is actually a total cinephile, and I have been chosen to ask a series of 12 questions about the movies that mean the most to them. Their taste in film will be the ultimate test determining their eternal fate. You guys, this is a special episode. We're lucky to have my good friend, Blake Crouch, back in Cloud City. My Lando. (laughs) (laughs) Does that mean you're uh, Han? Uh, I've always been Han, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll circle back on that. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right. You have always been Han. A bit of a rogue. Um, (laughs) Man, Blake, we've been friends for a long time now. I was actually trying to pin down how long it's been. I think we met in like 2007 when I started working for Michael McLaughlin. Yeah. Yeah. And you were uh, running IT for him. And that would have... Yeah, that would have been like November, December 2007. So we're looking at 16 years? Damn, yeah. That's a little crazy. I know. We haven't always spent a lot of time together over those 16 years. It's been more off and on, but here lately, I think we've... Yeah, but here lately it's been a bit more uh, of the quality time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's quality time. As you guys know, Blake is um, a very successful uh, author, and that's why we have this lovely office to to record in. The man that built Cloud City. <laughs> um, so you've... Uh, how many books have you written? Have you ever sat down and thought about that? I wonder around this office and this... It's a library. It's... Well, a lot of what's in my office are foreign editions sure. of all my books. But there's like pushing 250 or 300 of those. Um, uh. But I've, I've written about a dozen novels. It's about, Yeah. I, then, it's hard for me to figure out exact number because some of them I wrote I wrote solo but there are others that I collaborated with someone with and yeah. those I don't know if I count those as novels yeah and, and then I you wrote, have like short story collections and yeah. stuff like that yeah yeah just cool. one I've written about and I've written about a dozen stories yeah much harder than novels yeah it's been pretty fun to watch over the years you were like kind of self-publishing back when I met you it was yeah I told you uh I was an author. You're like, that's just so precious. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure Aww. you are, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a rock star. <laughs> I'm going to start a band. <laughs> to be fair, I had, uh, God, when I met you, I would have had maybe two books out. Yeah. Neither of which exactly lit the world on fire. Sure. Well, we all got to start somewhere. Um we can't really talk about ongoing projects. As you guys know, there's a writer's strike. 
That's and right. you're a member of the WGA, so true, true. you are under a gag order to <laughs> discuss ongoing projects. Um, it was more just not much to discuss since we're all on everyone's on strike and the business uh, on the West Coast has shut down. But luckily, I have a book writing business. Yeah, also, exactly. Which is filling my days. Uh, your last novel came out. It's been about two years almost now. Uh, just last year. Yeah, just last year. Oh, Upgrade. wow. Yeah, that's true. Paperback just came out. Paperback just came out. Oh, no, the paperbacks are tiny now. Yeah, I love like them. The, the trade, the trade paperbacks. Yeah, are, oh, I love them. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's very. You could put it in your back pocket. It's a pocketbook. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Upgrade was a great novel. Um, had some really cool characters. There's a SWAT commander character in there that I found especially compelling. <laughs> Mr. Bobby Noyes. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> he gets housed. Yeah, it, it ends up doesn't doesn't really go his way. Are you working on anything right now? I am. I'm uh, creeping my way into a new idea and to a new book and trying to get some pages up. It's, it's interesting because I've seen your process a little bit, and it's it. Yeah, you you have this kernel of an idea, and then it just you start reaching out and gathering information, and it's really cool to watch. It's I'm glad it's not always cool to to do. It's yeah, very frustrating um, process until it finally like locks together, and then it's a blast. Right. Um, yeah, it's been it's an idea. I actually, weirdly, I was in um, Georgia, the country, not the shitty state. Sorry, total <laughs> respect. I have zero listeners in Georgia. Um, no, I love Georgia. Just kidding. But I was in Georgia, the country, and I was having really bad jet lag, and I couldn't sleep. And we were at this international book festival in this really cool house in Tbilisi, and I couldn't sleep this night. And I just had this idea for what the next book would be after Upgrade, and I was still finishing Upgrade. And, and I got up, and I just like wrote all this stuff down and on this page in my journal. And a lot of times I do that, and it... I find out the next morning that's terrible and not sure. a bad idea. But this time I read it. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so I've been sort of yeah. working off that ever since. So this time off is going to be kind of a cool opportunity. Exactly. Get some work done. Yeah, exactly. Get ahead of the game. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for all your projects. It's awesome to have you here. One of the things that Blake and I do consistently is sit and drink a beer and talk movies. We talk movies a lot. And, um, I mean, I think we initially bonded over books, probably. I think so. Yeah, we started talking some Cormac McCarthy and things like that. R.I.P. Man, we talk about movies a lot. So, this seemed like a pretty good fit to have you come on. And and, uh, did you hit the button? It's off now. (laughs) I was just looking. I saw a button. I just pushed it. (laughs) Why? That's a normal thing to do, right? It's amazing. It's a red button. Yeah, just not a just red button. Yeah. Nothing has ever yeah. gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as I explained earlier, this is simple concept. I'm going to ask you 12 questions. Blake, just so you guys know, eschewed the opportunity to prep for this. He wants to fly off the cuff. So... I'm going to leave all the dead space when he's trying to come up with an answer. <laughs> no, I, I get final cut. I, I, oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It's, always, it's one of your writers. It is. Also with the just green M&Ms. Yeah, just green M&Ms. And Where are those, by final the cut. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My assistant shouldn't have them here anytime. All right, Blake Crouch. Question the first. First. Wow. What is the first film that you actually remember seeing? And it could be, I mean, it could be in the theater. It could be like a theater experience. It's something you watched at home on your VHS. Um, I 
so I didn't see it when it originally came out because it came out one year before I was born in 1977. Okay, I have an idea. But uh, a few years later, we had this old this drive-in theater in my hometown of Statesville, North Carolina, and Star Wars came to it. And one of the first films I ever remember seeing was Star Wars at the drive-in, and it oh, wasn't it was wow. it was like you know they kept rolling it out because it was so much so successful. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like they did that like right before they released Empire Strikes Back. I think they put mm-hmm. Star Wars back on a theatrical run. So I that would have been like yeah. four years old. But you remember the little speaker sitting next oh, to the window definitely. and sitting in the car and watching and you it? You tune your radio yes. to the speaker. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the first movie I ever watched on VHS was Red Dawn, the original. You know what? I bet that was a lot of our first movies on VHS. <laughs> It, you know, yeah, it had, it came out. We had this place called L and J Electronics. Yeah, in the early '80s in Statesville, and it was the movie rental store. It's the first store that ever had like movies you could go in and rent. It was, of course, it was all VHS, and it seemed to over-index in all the horror. And and I just remember my parents had gotten this VCR, and we just started like renting all this stuff. So we read that and like Old Yeller. Oh, where the red fern grows! I know it was a really weird uh, oh, yeah. batch of movies, like Red Dawn to Where the Red Fern Grows. But yeah, it kind of makes sense though. Yeah, and and you know the funny thing about that age was like those movies were an event. Yeah, we're so inundated now with content that it, it movie movie watching is no mm-hmm. longer an event. Watching sitting down to watch the, your favorite show is no longer an it's event, not. and it used to be. It's sad. Like I haven't seen. Oppenheimer yet and I definitely like probably more excited about that movie than anything else this year right but I just haven't gone to see it yet because we're so like overexposed to the content Mm -hmm. Uh, these tech companies wanted to get big so fast and like bump up their subscriber rates so they could you know artificially raise the value of their companies and as a result they just made a bunch of shit and now it's less special. It t- or it's it's less special when something comes out. It, it has to be so special to break through the noise. I just think there's so much good content too, though. But it's hard to filter through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like through this morass of crap that is out there, and it's it's, I, yeah. the The amount of content is overwhelming. Yep. And beyond that, we have these phones that send red lights and sounds at us constantly. And I don't know. I don't think our brains are ready. Right? I don't think no. we're evolved enough well, to take I think all this in. These days, and it started to change when people could watch uh, VHS tapes on their shitty like home televisions. But f- for a long time, the only way that people watched movies was in theaters. Mm-hmm. And you had the right sound mix. You had the right experience. And I don't think watching a movie on your phone with your headphones on a plane is exactly how movies are supposed to be definitely not taken in but now there's streaming content that's yeah. kind of designed with that in mind that's right you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah so we have it all well we should go see oppenheimer for sure i, we, I don't think we've ever watched a christopher nolan movie together because <laughs> <laughs> i'll just feel you rolling your eyes the whole time <laughs> we've we have at times been at odds about christopher <laughs> nolan movies <laughs> he's not my favorite director but that's a great answer. Uh, Star Wars was actually the first movie I saw. Really? Yeah. 
I in, mean, that's uh, the first one I remember. I, like when it first premiered, and I was a chi- a tiny child when I first saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I was just in the theater as a baby. I mean, I would have been four years old. Wow, you know what I mean. So I I I remember like the experience of like knowing that I saw Star Wars. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, but then I saw it again when they re released, and then of course you know watched it endlessly on HBO or whatever it was on, you know, and then VHS obviously, you know, and they, and they had like the um, the the four by three versions, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. we grew up with, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, it was they cut the sides off of it, and it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about the mid eighties uh, Ewok adventures. Oh, I forgot about that one. But I loved I should, them. I, should, I loved them. I should get that. And then the Christmas special, the infamous <laughs> Christmas special. All right, question the second, Blake. What is the movie that scared you the most? Do you are you a horror movie guy? I am. I think I knew that. The movie that scared me the most. I mean, honest, it's not a movie. Okay. It's uh, it was Twin Peaks. I watched that when it came out. When it premiered. I'll accept that. Will, you, um, will, it, will the um, higher power accept? We have the. I mean, can I roll Fire Walk with me th- into that? That's what I was about to say. Because of Fire Walk with me, which I think is the scariest fucking <laughs> chapter of Twin Peaks. Oh, it's. Horrifying. Horrifying. I mean, Fire Walk With Me is actually one of the better horror movies ever made. When I say Twin Peaks, I just, I mean the world of The overarching world. I think there's something so deeply unsettling. It still unsettles me. There are still episodes of Twin Peaks that will run a chill down the back of my spine when I watch it, even today. And I remember the first time seeing some of those episodes, like uh, the first episode of season two, when... right. We see what happens in the train and being like physically quaking after it, even the next day, thinking back to it and just being absolutely scared shitless in the best way. It just, I don't know why. Um, There's also a movie I saw once and I've always, do you have any of those like phantom movies that you've seen? Like you remember scenes from Yeah, really vividly, but you cannot remember what the movie is. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like there's this movie and I, I have no idea what it's called. And it, these people are out on this desert, and there's, and they would occasionally like look into the camera, and their eyes would do this weird thing, and it just freaked me out so uh, hard. I know I'm trying to run through my memory banks, but I don't know what that would be. Um, I definitely have experiences like that, and then you, like, I remember my brother watching um, The Hills Have Eyes when I was a kid, and I, I didn't know what the hell it was. I just knew that it scared me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know until later on in life, and then I watched Hills Have Eyes, and I was like, that's that yeah. fucking movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it yeah. sucks. See, it, <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting the things that scare you. Like my, I, I let my kids watch almost whatever they want. Um, and my son has seen Twin Peaks, and I started watching it with my girls, and I was like, no, this is actually too messed up for you to see yet. It, it it cuts under like David Lynch has that ability to really um, unnerve you. I, I think Mulholland Drive has some of the scariest right. moments. Well, and Mark Frost, yeah. you know who wrote Twin Peaks, should definitely. I mean, I my bucket list would have. I would love to have him in that chair oh. just to see what kind of movies he watched growing up. Oh, like, holy yeah. shit, dude! The first time you see Bob when she. <laughs> Goes into the room and starts screaming because she sees... That's one of the scariest fucking things I've ever seen. 
Like that's uh, it's horrifying. Horrifying. It's there's <laughs> nothing else like it. And like everyone equates it to like X Files and all this. The only thing it had to no. look back to in its time was like the Twilight Zone and some of these like weird like yeah, mo- yeah. like horror movies of the week that NBC used to do sometimes. Like there's just one where this woman like oh, it's called um, Tales of Terror. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Karen Black yeah. maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. David Lynch had this thing where he would always explore, like, what was underneath, like, small town culture, you know, and on these mm-hmm. idyllic locations that are perfect. I mean, you know, the the show opens up with that beautiful Battlemente score, mm-hmm. but then, like, you start to realize there's something horribly evil underneath yeah. all this perfect, yeah. you know, suburban, small town life. And his horrors don't fit neatly into, like, genre conceits either no, they're completely original like what is blue velvet about yeah <laughs> <laughs> pabst blue ribbon you know exactly pabst blue ribbon that is awesome i think that's a great answer i will accept twin peaks question of the third blake i like this question what is a so-called bad movie but you absolutely love it it's not critically acclaimed but you think it's actually kind of brilliant King Solomon's Mines. Do you know the? <laughs> do you know the uh, the really bad uh, yeah. Indiana Jones it was a ripoffs knockout. that yeah. came after those? Uh, Alan Quartermain in the Lost City of Gold, and, yeah, was, and then King say, Solomon's Mines. Who played Alan Quartermain? It was like was it Richard Chamberlain? Yes, yes, it was Richard Chamberlain. Yeah, I watched all those. I think they're so fun. I actually put them on the other day to show Aiden since all this Indiana Jones stuff was up. Uh, I had such like fond memories watching them. like, And they were just the most ridiculous set pieces. They're- but it has the same oh, – I forget his name. The, uh, he's like a, an, a Muslim um, actor who is also in all of the Indiana Jones movies. He's also in the knockoffs. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. He's in. Who's the guy who uh, who saves like him the, from the monkey? He saves him. Plays he saves, Sala. Yeah, Sala. Yeah, he's in the yeah. new one. He's also in the terrible knockoff. Right. It's. I don't know. I just think it's a guilty pleasure. I think they're really fun, despite how bad they are. There Sharon was, Stone is in them. She's in the Lost City of Gold, right? She's, or uh, or is she in? No, she's in King Solomon's Mines. Mind. She's in Mines. Yeah. Holy cow, that's right. That's Sharon Stone. Her performance is wild. I would literally watch this two weeks ago. <laughs> I need to revisit that. Um, what is it? Um, John Reese davies Is that who you're speaking of? That plays Sala? He plays the Muslim character. Because he was in... Because he's the guy that saves him from the monkey, for sure. Let me see if I can find them. Um, yeah, he's great. It, it, dude, he's in um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Is he's he? freaking Gimli. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I think so. No. I think so. We're we're currently yeah, looking no, up on IMDb. Yeah. Him, that guy. Yeah. yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. Anyway, I was like, <laughs> what are you doing in this movie, dude? That is a really good answer. Yeah. King Solomon's Mines. There was some other knockoffs. Um, there was the one with, there's like, they started doing pirate movies that were kind of like that at the time, like uh, Cohen and Tate, or there was like, Tommy Lee Jones did some of them. <laughs> Probably spawned Romancing the Stone, frankly. Yeah. Oh, God. Which is a great movie. Great, not, but not a bad movie. An actual good, yeah, great movie. That is yeah. a really good movie. I like that answer a lot. Question the fourth, Blake. This is a hard one. What movie character do you actually identify with? A freaking misery just popped in my head. No, <laughs> it is a writer, but I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go with the uh, the Michael Douglas character in... 
the Wonder Boys. Oh, and the Wonder uh, Wonder Boys. I could talk about that movie all day. I love that movie so much, and I love that I you know a lot of movies do like the writers blocked writer. Yeah, I think they do him really really well. I um, do. Too. I think it's such. Like you could feel like he's on page two thousand. That line when he's writing about the horses, denture history. It's and, amazing. And yeah. his student calls him out. I, yeah, it was Katie Holmes actually. And yeah, it was great Katie in Holmes. That role. That's right, yeah. Katie Holmes and Tobey Maguire has the funniest moment. One of the funniest moments in any movie when they go when they're both when Robert Downey Jr. and Tobey Maguire and uh, and Michael Douglas they go to this. Um, to see the you know, the famous writer who's on yeah. campus give a speech, and he steps up to the mic, and he's like, I am a writer. <laughs> and then Toby, Toby McGuire goes, Burr! Yeah, he bursts like, out laughing. Falls, but just once. Just once. Just once. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. It's a yeah, great it was Rip movie. Torn that played the writer, actually. That was Rip Torn. No. It was, yeah. I can't remember the name, yeah. his name, the name of the character. I like where they bring his character at the end, where he's sort of moved through his grief and he's finally like writing again. I don't know. I I, I love no, that. No, it's a great I, art. I, I love that. It's... Did you ever read the Chabon book? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm a big fan, and nobody has seen that movie. Really? No. It is. It bombed huge. Like no one really knows about that movie. I talk to people about it all the time because I'm like, you have to watch Wonder it's Boys. Imminently watchable. Again and again and again. It's one of Robert Downey yeah. Jr.'s funniest, best roles. For sure. He's amazing in yeah. that movie. Yeah. The scene when he's trying to, when the book flies out of the car, <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. is <laughs> running around trying to gather the book. It's hysterical. It is so funny. Uh, I love that answer. Um, and what was the name of his character? I got to look it up. Oh, the Michael Douglas character? Um, Oof, I'm not going to remember that. I know. It was so good. But Francis McDormand? Oh, my God. She's wonderful in it. Um, John Boy from The Waltons <laughs> plays her husband. Yeah. Oh, it was Curtis Hansen that directed it. It's the guy that directed uh, L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential. Wow. Yeah. Grady Trip. Grady Trip. And they call him Trip. Yeah. Like everyone calls him Trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alan Tudyk has a bit part in that movie as the guy that gives him weed. It's yeah. a great like oh, academia man. movie. It really is. It's awesome. <laughs> they shoot the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you made me smile with that one. That, I love that movie so much. If it's if it's on, I will watch it. Like I will. That's happening. Blake Crouch and Grady Trip. You do not have the problem that Grady Trip has. No, I've never been like writers blocked that hard. But yeah. it's the one. It's the thing that all writers fear, you know. But his conceit was that it was kind of the Salinger style. Like he has this amazing novel, but he can't find. The pressure, I guess, to do the next thing, to replicate or mm-hmm. to move on to the next thing, was just too. Well, it's much. very rare for college professors to publish, like right. You know, the arsonist real daughter. not real not the exactly. arsonist daughter is the that name was of the, the, the arsonist that's the name of the book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Katie Holmes when yeah she points out, and I remember this. This is one thing I always remembered. Um, is she tells him that writers have to make decisions and it's like he just never made any decisions. That's why, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's why I love that movie so much because it is, like writing is about making decisions and choices constantly and like you kind of sometimes want to live in like this superposition of embracing all possible choices your characters or your story could, you know, in the directions it could take and yes, you have to actually make choices and you have to make choices yeah, yeah it's also applicable to life it yeah. is absolutely all right blake question the fifth you're doing really well by the way what movie makes you cry always mm. <laughs> ah. i know do you like crying 
I do. Um, I do too. Can it be a TV movie? Yeah. Lonesome, if it's a movie. Lonesome Dove. That definitely qualifies. Uh, several times, but mostly the end. The, the end. The death of Gus. and Yeah. That, like, guts me every single time. I just... I know. I, every single time. The friendship and... Mm-hmm. And it's written so beautifully. I think it might even be better than, like what Larry McMurtry wrote in the book, the way they pull that scene off. I agree. Um, I don't know. It's a perfect, it's a perfect scene and kills me. Yeah. That was, um, late eighties. 89, 89. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it has no right to be that great. Tommy Lee Jones, Angelica Houston, Robert Duvall, Robert Ulrich. Yeah. Uh, Rick Schroeder was (laughs) in it. Schroeder from <laughs> Schroeder from not Silver great. Spoons. Not great. No, he not was great. never a good actor. But uh, <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Oh my gosh, that's right. Um. Oh fuck. Uh, okay, I don't know why I'm associating with her with this movie, but who is the love interest in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Uh, oh, oh, she just passed away. She passed we, away a few years ago. We just lost her. Yeah. Um. Glenn. Glenn Headley. Headley. Fucking love her. Fantastic. Absolutely. Danny love Glover. Her. I mean, oh my gosh! I might go watch Lonesome Dove dude, this weekend. It's the best six hours you'll spend. It is really fantastic, but you can only get it. I think you can only get it in TV format. I don't think there's like a letterboxed. I don't think HD so. version of no. of Lonesome Dove you can even find. Oh, I don't think so because it was shot for. It was television. shot for television. Yeah, yeah. Um, they should have had the forethought to shoot it. I know to shoot it widescreen. I don't think they understood how great it was going to be. Oh, that I mean, the death of of uh, Deets when they. Oh, <sighs> what what that's what what kills me when um, Woodrow like makes his uh, his gravestone and carves what he carves oh. there it kills me. You know what? We Nothing... can do spoilers here, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's like, uh, you know, he's like, um, he writes about how, like, w- w- where he served with him. That's right. He's like splendid behavior, mm-hmm. and you know, Woodrow is such an asshole, and to see him move, be moved like that, it's just. Well, that's when I'm. I'm sad that westerns have taken such a downturn in popularity mm-hmm. because they have a certain poetry to them yeah. that is really effective and kind of. I like that Taylor Sheridan, even though I'm, I don't, I don't know how I feel about Taylor Sheridan as a human, mm-hmm. but like, I love that he's brought Westerns back to the forefront Yeah, and these wide vistas and just poetic moments and sacrifice and, and corruption. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I like all of that. It's really cool. going to have to get you on television, though. get off the television stuff. though. <laughs> Question the sixth, who is your favorite actor and what is their worst film? Okay. When I favorite actors, I don't think necessarily mean the actor that you think is like most incredible. Thesp- it's like who do you who do you want to watch the most? Who you think is the most interesting? Who's sure. been in the most interesting things? Yeah. And for me, that's Kyle MacLachlan. Oh, I like that. I love Kyle MacLachlan. And his worst film is Showgirls. It <laughs> <laughs> goes without saying. Oh my gosh! And he's been in some really fun stuff. Obviously. Um, although, I mean, a lot of people would argue that Dune is up there, too. I mean, I, I think it holds up maybe slightly better than Showgirls. So. Showgirls. I mean, to be honest, I haven't watched Showgirls I think in there's, a like, like, Big Lebowski-style <clears throat> festivals now where people get together and watch Showgirls. <laughs> He's, I, I think what I love about him are, are the characters that he chooses to play. Agent Cooper is such an 
It's a yeah. perfect idiosyncrasy. I mean, he invented sort of a genre of character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and I think he's actually in... a really fucking amazing actor. I do too. Like, incredible. If you look at his work in Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I've got a little sleeper question for you here. Okay. Speaking of Kyle MacLachlan, have you ever seen, um, I think I'm going to get the year right, the 1986 classic, <laughs> The Hidden? No. He plays, oh, it's such a good movie. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> I, no one has seen this movie. Um, I can't remember the name of anyone else in this movie, but he plays this cop who is actually an alien, and he's chasing another alien that comes to Earth, and he can like take over people's bodies, one of those mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he becomes friends with a human cop and learns about humanity but like but it (laughs) (laughs) learns about humanity (laughs) but it actually is a really fucking cool movie has some cool special effects in it great soundtrack The Hidden yeah alright I'm gonna gonna cue that I'll text that to you yeah please yeah you won't be sorry. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah. See, if you love Kyle MacLachlan, you're gonna love The Hidden. What was the? It's, it was way before Alien Nation. Probably, well, a couple years before Alien mm-hmm. Nation. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, in, they went uh, through an alien thing in the '80s. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we're about to go through one again. I think so too, because there's aliens. There are. We there are aliens. <laughs> we're our shit's so much on fire. We're not even that concerned. Nobody gives a fuck. No, <laughs> that's. No one cares. It's amazing. It's like you could tell people, oh, wait, we discovered a portal on Earth to another dimension. Yeah. Whatever. We don't care. We don't care. That country guy wrote a song about yeah. lynching. That's all we care about. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing. Fuck. We're doomed. <laughs> we are so doomed. <laughs> uh, question the seventh, and I apologize in advance, but what film do you find to be the sexiest? Mulholland Drive. It's not even That's, close. Yeah, I know. It's Cor- not even correct. close. Like <laughs> it's the sexiest movie ever. <laughs> also, um, I still don't know what that movie's about. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it, you know, movies back in the day used to like filmmakers like to craft beautiful, like incredible sex scenes. At some point, everyone lost their joy yeah. for that. They become like perfunctory or so like gratuitous, but without any true like sensuality to it. That sex scene comes at the perfect moment in that movie. It's emotional. It it's weird. It doesn't make sense, and it's yeah. It, but it made all the sense in the world. Seared into my brain forever. Yeah, absolutely. I watched that movie in a theater in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, when it came out in two thousand. And uh, wow, yeah, I saw five couples get up and leave. Really, in the midst of that. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, you. You could not today use um, like a cis male director to make that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be appropriation or however you want to like. Yeah. Because some some can say some could say that he was being a little exploitive, right? But it, he wasn't. He wasn't. I don't think at he all. was at all. It, it it actually makes perfect logic. Like. It, completely served the movie whole i'm in love with it. it's so emotional too it that's is. the thing it's so emotional and it, it like weirdly taps into the characters confusion in the moment i don't think it's brilliant i i have no problem maybe with the best movie of the 21st century too just and it's put that also there. the correct answer this one 
<laughs> this is the weird boner question. Question the eighth. What movie do you find uncomfortably sexy? It turned you on, but you're not sure that it should have. <laughs> I have not looked up this movie since I saw it back in the 80s. On oh, my... good. Uh, there's a movie called Hamburger, the motion picture. <laughs> have you seen this? I remember this movie. Have you seen this? Um, I mean, I haven't seen it in 30 years. It's so wrong in my... Uh... <laughs> I guess I would have been 12 or 13 when I watched it on my friend's HBO uh, subscription. 1986. 1986. Hamburger the movie. Yeah. Or no, Hamburger the motion picture. Yeah. The motion picture. Yeah. It's serious. Um, Dick Butkus (laughs) is in this movie. (laughs) I don't remember anything about it. I just remember we, but there were boobs. I know that for sure. Because it was the 80s, and we were kids, and that's why we watched movies. Oh, there's this movie has so much. I don't even know if you can stream it anymore. <laughs> Do you remember what was sexy about it that was a little... <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not going to admit it um, <laughs> publicly. No, I, that's fine. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, nobody's ever going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hamburger the motion picture. I'm... You're thinking um, about it. You're yeah, thinking about it. And I think I'm going to revisit just to see how bad it is. Oh, it's bad. It's very bad. I actually, um, as you know, I curate movies for my friends. Mm-hmm. And I downloaded a bunch of 80s um, skiing movies. Skiing? Like, like snow skiing? Like Hot Dog, the movie. Okay. Um, which, weirdly enough, goes right along with Hamburger. Um, what was another one? Ski Patrol, mm-hmm. Out Cold. Aspen Extreme. <laughs> and the funny thing is, people are eating them up. <laughs> Some weird nostalgia <laughs> took over, and everyone's just watching the shit out of Hot Dog the Movie, which I believe has Shannon Tweed in it, and like, you know, with a, the low cut, full body suit, ski suit, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. The 80s were fucking awesome. Oh, wild. They were different, for sure. Answer. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> You're a funny guy. You're not a comic writer, Mm-mm. but you have a wit. Thank you. You're a witty gentleman. <laughs> I mean, your no. subject matter is yeah. not funny. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, you do have. A, you're a very witty man. What film makes you laugh the most? It's not that it's the best comedy ever made. It's just something that makes you laugh. Mm. Uh, it's a film I mentioned. I, I think Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is like. It just kills me. Every time it kills me. It's like Michael Caine kind of playing the straight guy, Steve Martin, Glenna. Yeah. Glenn, yeah. It's it's perfectly structured. It has like the best comedic set pieces also. It, every time I watch it, it just I I just revisit. I went down a Steve Martin rabbit hole. Oh, what like do you two or three yeah? weekends ago? Okay. What'd you I, watch? Um Man with No Two Brains, mm-hmm. which <laughs> is just as bad as I remembered. <laughs> L.A. Story, which is even better than I remembered. Okay. That is a great movie. Hmm. I love L.A. Story. I watched Bowfinger, Ooh. which I love. Yeah? Yeah. It's Never the last it. time Eddie Murphy was funny. Other than Shrek, I guess, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But then I watched uh, 30 Rotten Scoundrels. And it is perfect. It's it is a perfect <laughs> movie. Michael Caine is so... Like devilishly funny. He should have, honestly like Oscar nominations should have happened for that movie. He's so he's so good. Funny. Dr. Emil Schofazen. <laughs> I also love a fish called Wanda. 
see that's another great answer those are yeah see they're a little bit of a piece but that's like that is the venn diagram of the stuff i think those would have probably come out within like a year of each other i think so yeah kevin klein is amazing a revelation a revelation (laughs) he won the oscar for that movie did he he won best supporting actor for a fish called wanda that's rare for a like for a comedic role to win i I can only think of like maybe three jack nicholson in as good as it gets probably which if is we, a comedy if we consider that yeah what else marissa tomei oh and my cousin and my cousin Vinny. Yeah. um obviously the aforementioned kevin klein i was thinking did carrie grant win anything for comedy i'd have to look that mm-hmm. up because he had some roles like arsenic and old lace and stuff like mm-hmm. that that i would think he'd have been nominated mm-hmm. for but i don't recall i also think tropic thunder is like one of the best things that's ever been made it's one of the smartest movies ever. so smart legitimately hilarious uh-huh. and Tom Cruise is great as well uh, ooh. <laughs> we just started a whole new podcast <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Bell's Two-Hearted IPA <laughs> That's what a cool just, find to find that in your mini fridge I didn't even know I had a mini fridge I forgot like, I arguably one. one of the finest cans of beer you're ever going to find it's one of the great American beers it is one of the great American beers I'm <laughs> drinking a shitty kombucha oh they're very nice. <laughs> they are pretty nice, actually. Question the 10th, Blake. What film can you watch repeatedly? The the remote dropper. Oh, Aliens. Really? Just put it on. Yeah. Man, I feel like that movie's been lost a little bit on some people. More like the first half than like when it, when it gets like super intense, that's a little less. But like, the, I think the build, I love how slow that movie opens. I love the marine like angle of it. I love how yeah. different it is from the original there's a comfort to these kinds of movies you know right um it's a sequel that made sense in in relation to the first film but it's almost like a different genre it is a total it's an action horror whereas the first one is um just horror oh you're right i mean i remember being a kid watching it in the theater and i'm just like what the fuck, a space marine? That's the mm-hmm. coolest thing that's ever happened. I like, love that they, they just went there. Uh, I love the cast. Flawless cast. Flawless casting. Yeah. And they uh, it was apparently a brutal shoot. And, oh, know, yeah. Everyone had yeah. a terrible time. And the crew hated Cameron. Yeah. And he hated them. And Well, and it was all of Cameron's, his cadre of actors. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, Lance Hendrickson and... Um, oh, never mostly. Rem- yeah. Mostly. I can never remember her name, but the girl that plays... Um, uh, Chavez, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in all of his movies. Yeah, and she's in a lot of Catherine Bigelow's early movies too. Huh? Yeah, they use a lot of the same actors. Lance yeah. Hendrickson and that gal were in a movie called Near Dark. Oh yeah, from like '87, I uh-huh. think. It's uh-huh. a vamp- the other vampire <clears throat> movie that came out the same year as Lost the Lost Boys. Boys. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll take Near Dark every day of the week. Hundred percent. I think it's and I love the extended edition where they add some uh, some stuff to the building oh, of the colony I, I just like i love that world well the, you know it, correct me if i'm wrong the extended edition gives ripley the motherhood aspect to it that i think they cut out of the theatrical version no they add a little bit more of what happened to the colony before right you know things because they show the colonists going out and, yeah before yeah. things went pear-shaped you know we understand why i just it, remember, it's not necessary for i think it's a good choice to cut it for the final yeah but like if you want to just throw it on to have in the background you know yeah it's great it's so quotable it's so funny 
It's, it's it's hilarious. So, it is hilarious for a massively fucked up movie. I mean, Bill Paxton, rest in peace. <sighs> also in Near Dark. He's he's really? the best funniest part of Near Dark. See, that's how many that's how few movies they made the yeah. back then. <laughs> Everyone was in all the movies. They were all in the same movies yeah. together. Yeah, Bill Baxton, man, what a loss. That mm. guy. He was just fantastic in everything he was in. Even Twister. Even Twister. Especially Twister. Even um True Lies, another James Cameron film. Mm. Hilarious in True Lies. <laughs> Has Bill Paxton done a a truly like serious Role, frailty. Oh, that's a great pull. Yeah. Oh, that's a that is one of my favorite horror movies. And he's very serious in that movie. Yeah, that's a messed up movie. That is a messed up movie. Chase uh, Powers Booth, right? Am I and that right? Uh, Wait. McC- McConaughey, McConaughey, plays the dad, right? Who, yeah, no, but who's the and FBI? Then, is it Powers Booth? Yeah, it's Powers Booth. I think you're right. Is he the he's the FBI agent? Wow. Oh my god. Powers Booth. Pure gothic horror. Pure gothic horror. Was, I'd like to. Yeah. I wonder if that thing holds up. I haven't seen it since it came out. I'd be willing to. It's not one it. you're like, God, I can't wait to watch that again. No, <laughs> it's as good as no, it is. You know it's what I mean? Not. Yeah. That is for sure. It's a harsh tuck. Question the eleventh, Blake. What film means the most to you? Not because it's good, but because of a memory you've associated to it. Does it have to not be good? No, it can still be good. It could be amazing. Hmm. It could be Godfather too. But you gotta. Horrible hand job during it. <laughs> uh huh. It's one of the first movies I went to, and just like you know, you just made out for the whole movie, but kind of watched the movie. It was a Stephen uh, King okay movie in the like early nineties. Sleepwalkers. That rings a bell. Does that ring a bell? Is that a real movie called? Is there a Stephen King movie called Sleepwalkers? Yes. Really. Nineteen ninety two. Yeah, that's the right era. Really not good. I um. Ooh, I, wait. Let me make sure that. Yeah. The, and yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And it is a Stephen King adaptation. It was like one of the first like dates I ever went on, and I got in a lot of trouble because I went to an R-rated movie. Oh, and, did you really? Yeah, because it was rated. R- and yeah. I don't remember why we went to this instead of the one I said I was going to go to, but nevertheless we did, and like my parents were furious. <clears throat> I was like, I don't know. I even watched the movie, but. <laughs> Anyway, so this is a this comes back around to Twin Peaks. Mm. Do you remember the main actress in Sleepwalkers? I guarantee you don't. But when I give tell you, give me a hint. Give me a hint. Shelley, the waitress. <gasps> no, Machen Machen Amick, who is one of the most beautiful women I have on my of all time. In my, one of my favorite things I have is um, Rolling Stone did it when Twin Peaks was bursting they did a they did a uh a, the rolling stone magazine did a cover of uh with like donna shelly all three of them right norma and yeah. uh laura and uh, laura. You know, and, uh, you know uh, peggy uh, peggy lipton yep all the it's gorgeous women sherilyn finn was <clears throat> such a fox oh my goodness but machin amick wow yeah just beautiful Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a big Edgar Wright fan. I'm, yeah, I like I'm his a stuff. Huge I like his stuff. Edgar Wright fan. Um, the character in Baby Driver um, that Lily James plays. <gasps> she does. Was that based a little? On is basically really based on yeah. That uh, if you the look actor at from Downton Abbey who's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, oh, she oh, looks so great. much like her. She has so that, like fifties Americana. Like 
kind of thing. Yeah, going. there's yeah. you can look it up on the internet, and there's like people have done like side by sides of of. I've Shelley, never the thought waitress, of that, but it's totally it's, true. They look so. It could be mother daughter. Like it's crazy. Yeah, so hot. Wow, <laughs> that's a great answer. I've actually never seen Sleepwalkers. I've never. I think I've tried. I'm sure you're fine. Not. Ever I think I could it. give it a miss. It's Mick Garris. What's the Rotten Tomatoes score? Huh? It's got to be. Oh, in the, it's got to. Twenty nine. Yeah, twenty nine percent sounds about right. Sounds about right, dude. When you get a five three on IMDb, you've uh, <laughs> you've created something truly horrible. Yeah, Mick Garris went on to produce the Masters of <clears throat> what was it? Masters of Horror. Mm-hmm. That like two season. Mini- mm-hmm. There was a couple of those that were pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think um, Don Coscarelli. Mm-hmm. Did one that was really cool. Who's you know it's Don Coscarelli, but you're not going to go too far <laughs> wrong with that guy. All right. Well, we're all ready. I could do this all day, buddy. Um, but we're all ready to question the twelfth. Should you be deemed worthy to ascend, you're allowed to bring one movie with you because you get to host the movie night. What film would you take to heaven to show the rest of the chosen people? Ooh. So it's more of a performative movie. it's a it's a movie to share yeah yeah what are yeah and it's almost like showing off a little bit so probably not something like super popular that everyone's seen it's, it's going to be a deep a little bit of oh. a deeper cut but something more about special that. to you yeah you you're think, bringing something that's yeah. special that you think other people should watch i guess that's a good way to look at it hmm just the one is this like is this sort of your desert island thing or is this just Could like be. this is just what you bring to show huh or is it's representative of you and of the things that you you know another way you could look at it is like what is like objectively the best movie I could that I've seen I don't maybe <laughs> enjoy it the most but this is a movie we should all watch that's another way you could look at it, I guess. What is just objectively a perfect movie or a great movie? Like if someone come in here comes in here and says, uh, I would take the Princess Bride, I'd be like, of course you're going to take the fucking Princess Someone's got to bring the Princess Bride. You know what I mean? I'd probably, I'd probably, I'd probably take Vertigo. Ooh, that's a fucking good answer. It's just perfect. It has all the, answer. it has all the things. It's, it. And it's, no one has brought Hitchcock yet. No one. Not one person. To this? Yeah. Out of 30 people, no one has said anything from Hitchcock. I think Not one movie. I mean, I think it's one of his... But it's the best of his ma- mini masterpieces. It's about, like, obsession. And the score uh, yeah. by Herman is, is, like... It's amazing. We um we were we went to the John Williams uh, oh yeah I wanted to ask you a couple, about that a couple weeks ago when when we were so in LA. That. so um John Williams the famous composer of Star Wars Indiana everything. Jones everything literally cool. everything um yeah goes to the Hollywood Bowl semi regularly and performs he's like ninety yeah so this was a uh, one of what everyone thinks are going to be his last like composing or conducting performances and he was there with the LA Phil. Wow. And before he came out, he came out midway. So the conductor of the LA Phil, forgive me, I'm forgetting his name, came out and did the first, like, I would say third of the show. And one of the things they played at John Williams' request was the love theme from Vertigo. Really? Spectacular. So spectacular. And then, of course, John Williams comes out and... The first moment, the first 
note from a theme from Star Wars comes on, thousands and thousands of illuminated <laughs> lightsabers lift up out of the audience. No. All around. Um, <laughs> that is the coolest it is, thing. Ever. It was such a... It was such a cool thing, and it was cool to take my uh, my son to see it. Um, I'm going to show oh, you a picture. That's here, amazing. Here right here. John Williams scored our lives. That is incredible. Pretty incredible. Yeah. He, and they don't make really composers like him anymore. He, um, no. you know, he he's much more like classical instrumentation, symphonic uh, stuff, and and these days things you know scores are getting away from that. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, Heard Vertigo. Then I had just showed my kids Vertigo a few uh, about a month ago for the first yeah. time. What they think it about? Like, it? Oh, they loved it. We do like Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, Hitchcock each like w- when they're with me. Like on the weekends, we'll do like uh, on Sunday. We'll put yeah. it, we did we've done Rope, which is amazing. If you haven't the, seen Rope, it's one of the. I think it's up there with his greatest. Jimmy Stewart also it, is in it. It's just perfect. And the technical achievement behind Rope, you don't notice what's happening, but yeah. you feel what's happening. That like. It's supposed to be a, a oneer, basically. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Just a movie without edits. They just talk for an hour and mm-hmm. a half, and obviously he sneaks in edits. I think he said that they or they said that he had there was like columns in this apartment, mm-hmm. and you would go pat a character would go behind the column, and boom, you could throw it'd an be ed- a nice cut cutting yeah. moment. Throw for an edit in there, and so I think they did it in like ten minute chunks. Still though, <sighs> so it's just a still a series of oneers. And it's dialogue driven, so like that's really challenging. It's riveting. Every moment is riveting. It's great. It's a great story. The performances are off the charts amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, a gay couple is like at the centerpiece of it, correct? That's true. That's you true. You know what I mean? Like, which this was 19, that would have been in the early it's, 60s? No, I think it's like in the 50s. Even. Late 50s? Yeah, late 50s, yeah. I believe. Um, yeah, he was an amazing filmmaker. I love some of his little smaller, I don't know how we got off on. Hitchcock, but I love it. Um, the Trouble with Harry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A little lighter affair. Lighter affair. Shirley to ca- MacLaine. To Catch a Thief. Very oh, he wonderful. Play- he had a playfulness in his stuff. Yeah. Um, but also true, like, Lynchian horror in moments as well. Sometimes, yeah. Um, I don't know. But yeah, no. Often good. attributed yeah. with creating slasher horror, oh, which is for not sure. necessarily accurate, but why not? Like, I mean. He definitely popularized it. Uh, yeah, he, he validated 100%. it in some ways because it, it hit a certain threshold, and definitely it was, and it was okay. Yeah. It was okay to be elevated horror. It was elevated horror, maybe the Psycho first elevated is, horror. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Jamie Lee Curtis goes on to like just broaden the genre with her Scream Queen era. How cool that that's her mom! I know that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one of the shitty Halloween movies, which are they're all most of them are shitty, but uh, um, the H20 or Halloween 20 oh, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, her mom's in the movie and she's driving the psycho car <laughs> in one that's scene. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. She's like the headmistress of the school where Jamie Lee Curtis is working or some shit like that. Yeah, oh my and God. it's the car from Psycho. <sighs> Yeah, little things like that just make me so happy. <laughs> well, obviously, Blake, your answers are fucking amazing. They're going to be lucky to have you. And uh, I, ascend, been, I ascend. You have been deemed worthy, my friend. Of course. <laughs> I look forward so much to uh, your next novel. I know we're a couple years out, I'm sure. but We're a, we're a couple years out. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll throw a party like we always do. Absolutely. We'll tear it up. 